is Ryan. My name is Anna. Welcome to the Amata World Podcast. We're your hosts for today. And this is our second episode where we'll be talking about Web3 uh, technologies and the hype around that last year. And let us remind you what Amata World stands, stands for. Uh, so we are doing an augmented reality metaverse. We're trying to bring everything we like uh, films, games, history, culture into sort of metaverse where you can jump around between different uh, portals and explore um, the whole baggage um, we absorb as a civilization, let's say. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. But yeah, most of the time we're just referring what our dream is to make a Ready Player One sort of, sort of metaverse, but in augmented reality. Yeah, so that way you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. So maybe we can start from the history of Web3. So the first time Web3, the term was mentioned, was by Polkadot founder and Ethereum co-founder Gavin Wood in 2014 and referred to that as decentralized online ecosystem based on blockchain. But the interesting thing that it took how many? Uh, seven years. So the first time, like 2021, the Web3 gained the popularity, which is kind of a while. But um, as well, maybe we can describe like mm -hmm. Web1, Web2, Web3, what does it mean? Yeah, um, although I'm not sure about that definition, I think it goes even further um, behind from that. Because I think um, I remember I was talking to one of the co-founders of Ethereum London, and he was talking about how maybe more than 20 years ago, there was already a definition for Web3 and Web4 as well, mm. um, which is what we call, uh, essentially what we call the immersive web today. But I think it's the same principles, you know, decentralized ownership, um, that kind of thing. So, so I think Web3 right now stands very close to the metaverse type of thing, that it's next era of the internet, but probably one is backend, another is frontend type of thing. And yeah, um, I think we're, we've been trying to make that distinction between the, um, what we call, I think some there's, a, there's been a report published by I think an organization in Dubai. I like quite like the term they use, which is called the immersive web and the decentralized web. So decentralized web is what we you know, refer to as Web3. And then the immersive web is everything that encompasses metaverse, AR, VR, XR. So I really like that definition and I'm trying to stick to that. Um, yeah, but back to the origins of the web tree, I think in, even back in 2006, Tim Berners-Lee did mention the concept of web tree, although it's slightly changed in the context of um, blockchain after it's been popularized by you know um, uh, Gavin Wood. And yeah, I think the meaning has been morphing and it's also kind of being mixed in with components of the immersive web, which is all the metaverse stuff. Because I think it's like two ways happening at the same time where immersive web is more focused around components of the metaverse, augmented reality, virtual reality, all that kind of stuff, new ways to interact with the, the uh, digital information, which is basically what we discussed last week. And there's also the decentralized web, which is also gaining traction and more about decentralizing ownership of data, um, you know, decentralizing, I guess, the, the management finance and making sure it goes through. You know, it's allowed to go through 
trustless intermediaries without you having to go through banks, etc. Yeah, exciting times. I think it's just like a lot of people refer to Web 1 as read, Web 2 read-write, Web 3 read-write-own. Um, basically, I think it's just like Web 1 was between 1990 and 2004. So I tried to dig some uh, bits up and in 1982 at CERN, Tim Berners-Lee was very busy developing all the protocols we're using right now for World Wide Web. Um, and I think, yeah, that was the first inception of his creation, which we are calling Web.1. Um, and it's basically just um, static websites owned by different companies and you can just look up for some information um but later from 2004 till now we had the urge of like web 2 read write and it's basically emerges of social media platforms where you can actually create some stuff uh and maybe that <laughs> the wave of influencers as well so mm -hmm. how many uh tiktokers uh, earn a lot yeah. of money uh, just because of uh, they were creating uh, some interesting material. And right now we are in a re uh, read write home, kind of on the edge. Yeah, well, coming. Still coming up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it started sh shortly after uh, the Ethereum, um, launching the Ethereum in 2014. Um, yeah, but I think Ethereum was the first blockchain that allowed smart contracts. Smart first contracts, time you can actually yeah, yeah. program things. Whereas Bitcoin, the first technically the first blockchain implementation only allowed for transfer of um, money, essentially tokens in between. So that was just sort of like a payment mechanism. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just like most of the time when people talking about Web3, it's a combination of blockchain, NFTs, smart contracts, um, DAOs. Um, uh, so yeah, do, do, do you want to go for like some core ideas or just like describe what does it mean, all of that? Yeah, that, those are a lot of terms that you mentioned. So maybe we need to, you know, slowly step through all of those um, for our listeners who are unaware of them. So wait, what was the first thing? I uh, guess NFTs. We can start with NFTs because that's probably um, something everyone has heard about in mainstream media. So NFTs stand for non-fungible tokens. Um, what they essentially are is kind of like um, a digital fingerprint. I, the way I like to think of it is like a digital fi fingerprint of something that is guaranteed to be unique within the entire blockchain. So um that is an interesting property that um not many technologies these days have you can't really guarantee something is you know completely unique and in a sort of storage that is immutable and trustless so we're not worried about you know um, any fakes or anything like that and that, that is kind of like the, the promise of blockchain so what nft is enabled is things like um um unique digital products or something because you know when you create something physical you can always guarantee that oh this is the real thing because you you've only made so many of them like you made 10 copies of you know, a certain Gucci bag or something like that and that has value because it's there's only 10 of them that exist in the world 
and now you can all of a sudden with the power of NFTs you can also make those kind of claims on for digital products pretty much so um, I guess a popular use case is creating things like um, profile pictures but I'm sure this could extend to a lot more um, different types of digital products um, and this includes things like um, uh, what do you call those deeds to to houses things like that birth certificates anything that could be you know that could need that needs to be unique um, and guarantee some kind of guarantee of authenticity we could create an nft out of it and i think those are the most interesting use cases of nfts outside of um a lot of what people are looking at now yeah i think the most popular one was uh, people like the most expensive one let's say mm-hmm. uh most popular were like board apes and their oh, yeah. yacht club <laughs> their whole their whole they, they basically created a brand i remember there was a article about how they are essentially creating something like a, the disneyland of web tree because they yeah. have such a strong presence brand identity everyone who's into web tree probably is trying to get a hold of one of their nfts so, yeah but i think yeah. just like last year we had a lot of um scam projects connected to the nfts um just creating some nfts with the pictures of not apes but let's say bears or someone else um and after getting uh the money and disappearing um mm-hmm. so that's the reason why just like a lot of people lost their trust into this concept so yeah and i think it's just like it will take time so for example if yeah. yeah so for example if this year uh we'll have some projects who are trying to actually bring some value uh with the nfts and also some issues um not just there for money they will struggle a little bit at the very beginning yeah i think um some of the best projects um that i like about you know from from anyone using the web tree technologies are those that don't actually men- need to mention the word nfts um i know for example sweatcoin recently moved a lot of their backend to to the new protocol which is in a blockchain um provider and they you know that they, they started off their application and they didn't you know have any ties to web tree at all and they've sort of built their um, product from that and now you know they're they're moving into the web three component but i think the main marketing message hasn't really changed you know they're still for every step you take you know you get a chance of building up points and you can earn uh rewards by trading in those points basically so a way to gamify being healthy yeah but it can't be sustainable for a long time if you're just like selling some tokens so there's some limit and yeah yeah. But I I kind of like some of the um, NFTs. They actually try to raise some money for um, some sport teams, oh, for yeah. example. Yeah, and based on their um, previous game score for each player will change. So it's, they try to gamify that, but they use the money they try to raise through NFTs uh, in order to buy some additional here uh or rent a space mm-hmm. t- um to actually like practice or do some um training or yeah. there is another 
thing we've heard like from in the film industry some of mm -hmm. the uh young filmmakers um actually try to raise the, some money through nfts in order to make a whole film um so that might help the film industry like if if you're just like starting um in this world so those two <laughs> there are plenty actually but um, i think the hype and the negative news about the scam um right. and that like there's so many uh projects uh on the open sea who are just oh nft collections on mm -hmm. the open sea they're just right. a scam or yeah. so that's actually we'll need to kind of sort those thing out uh, sure. in 2023 yeah and for those who aren't aware open sea is a very popular i think one of the biggest online platforms for trading and uh nfcs i think it supports multiple chains etc yeah i think yeah. they started like they were funded in 2017 so mm -hmm. kind of a while ago and yeah and almost you know one of the biggest problems they have is maybe more than 90 percent of their nfts are essentially rug pulls people who because it's so easy to mint these nfts <clears throat> and a lot of them um you know there's not a lot of work you need to do for that you just need to market it a little bit for those who are really good at it they just need to market it build up a following i think the next one was the blockchain we mentioned blockchain maybe we can describe what's that oh yeah that's a good point so we went straight to nfts but we didn't actually describe what the blockchain was so um i don't know anna do you have a definition for us maybe you could share um i think it's just like a lot of people refer to that as a digital ledger made up with blocks where you can write some information and you store all of this information and you can't change the chain uh mm -hmm. yeah so yeah basically um you you will have like a unique cash id mm -hmm. uh you can refer on the chain uh for that information um and actually this hash will have the information of the previous block in the chain so it's just uh like sort of like a chain. russian doll, russian doll. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually contained yeah. <laughs> tiny one and after it's like it's bigger it's bigger, and yeah. bigger. That, yeah that is pretty much yeah it i guess um that's a slightly technical definition, but you know, if if you want to think of it as something more, um, you know, not a non-technical way of describing it, is a um, I guess it's like a database that is tamper-proof and you know fully transparent, so anyone can see the contents of the blockchain, which is very important. Not many people realize how what it means to be fully transparent like that. It doesn't actually isn't actually very good for privacy, um, but there are ways around it. But the most important thing is, you know, fully transparent. It is tamper-proof. No blockchain has ever been hacked in the way that, you know, people can modify the contents. The the hacks are usually people getting, you know, scammed or, um, you know, hacked in from their wallets, etc. That But that's just mismanagement of their own um, personal details, really. But the blockchain itself has never been hacked. So that says, something about you know how tamper-proof this technology is mm. as well it should be decentralized and decentralized yeah so and it should be distributed and everyone can obtain a copy exactly so no no one person actually owns all this data a lot of blockchains make an effort to ensure that um 
anyone who's running any of these nodes. So nodes are how blockchains operate. There'll be multiple copies distributed around each one and every node is going to be playing a part in verifying that, you know, their new, that new transactions that come onto the chain are valid essentially. So, but these node providers have access to the chain and there is a chance that they could modify it. But a lot of these technologies, if you go into the nitty gritty, they, they have ways to protect themselves or protect the chains from being fully influenced by one entity, whether it's good or bad. So think of it as a very impartial technology, you know, um, it's fully transparent, immutable. You can completely trust the contents that are written in there. Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of like the foundation of everything that is what people are describing as web tree today and i think the the first one was like bitcoin but it's more like a cryptocurrency and when ethereum came we already mentioned that they yeah. brought a new way like smart contracts smart contracts yeah um paradigm forking with them yeah and then from that a lot of other blockchains like so many blockchains spawned from that for different use cases some focus more on art, creativity, like we, we mentioned Nier earlier, which is what Swagcoin uses. Um, there's other um, technologies like XRP, Cardano, um, those are other things. Lamina One is another new blockchain that's coming out that's been, um, I believe, the, the original alt that's been promoted by the original author, or also not just promoted, but being led by the original author of. Um, Snow crash. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, where the term metaverse originated. So he claims that this new chain that they're building is more focused on creators and the creator economy. Yeah. Shall we describe something about the um, cryptocurrency or like smart yeah. contracts or? Yeah. So I guess continuing on the other terms that are popular, um, cryptocurrency is it's a, basically a digital currency. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's a digital currency that operates on the blockchain. So all the transactions are go through the blockchain. Like uh, like we mentioned before, it's you know a fully transparent public ledger. You can monitor all the transactions that goes on chain, so you can actually see uh, what's happening. And we can guarantee there's no nothing like um, double spend. So what cryptocurrencies provide on top of um, being used with blockchain means that we can avoid lots of um, problems that we have with the previous financial systems like things like double spend if you're spending um, more money than you actually have banks have to do a lot of work to reconcile a lot of these accounts a lot of them are you know it's not always automated there's a lot of manual work involved Mm. and what blockchain does is it can actually create these um, fully guaranteed transactions that can go through essentially in you know blink of an eye. You'll be surprised how long it takes for any of these transactions to be reconciled in the banks. You know, something sometimes it could take days, etc. Um, but the transactions always just go through because um, initially, because that's kind of like how they work. They're quite optimistic. They think they trust that. You know mm-hmm. these you you probably have enough money etc but then you'll end up being called like a couple of days later to say oh you know actually you know we had to um, avoid some of the transactions before etc so things like that 
probably shouldn't happen in something like cryptocurrencies at the base level at the primitive level but who knows in the future we might have more complex financial instruments built on top of blockchains that yeah. could have a, offer other properties who knows and it's kind of like interesting some of them examples usually people are thinking that yeah blockchain we can leave without blockchain but there are some examples where actually it really helped and solved the issue in afghanistan so over there mm -hmm. women are not allowed to have a bank account if the husband is not allowing that so i don't remember what was the not a charity but someone hired them and paid in cryptocurrency um so they managed to get the cryptocurrency and after when the the cryptocurrency was uh on the on the on, not on the top but it just like it cost a lot um they managed to get out of the abusive relationships just mm. because they were not able to have any bank account or any means to leave uh, that place that's the reason why they actually help them to escape that so sometimes uh, cryptocurrency they can actually help and change people lives. oh yeah um, i think even like um well, that's why we're seeing lots of adoption of cryptocurrencies in lots of uh, developing nations like in particular africa i think has quite wide adoption of cryptocurrencies because the banking system is not very reliable um a lot of people say it you know there's a lot of corruption involved as well it's very difficult to open a bank account but with the introduction of cryptocurrencies and it's you know a general support it's empowering a lot of the people um to you know interact with the rest of the world essentially they can make payments to different parts of the world without having to go through uh the government which for them is very inefficient and um and always very reliable mm -hmm. or like in case of the war or just like some it's like right now with Ukraine, a lot of people mm. manage to send uh, some cryptocurrency over there, um, but they were probably not able to send just through the for the bank just because of the what's going on right now over there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I think a lot of people um, they kind of had some negative thoughts about the blockchain and cryptocurrency just because of the uh, it's not very green. So basically, Bitcoin and the proof of work. Mm -hmm. uh, so what we had before um, actually created a lot of CO two emissions, yeah, but a lot of energy. it changed last year. Was it last year Ethereum? Yeah, or, last yeah. last year Ethereum moves into um, proof of stake, which is another. So what what this all means? It's it's all still quite technical, but it's essentially how. Um, what we mentioned before, blockchain and the nodes, how they verify transactions. There's two ways of doing it. Uh, well, there's there's many ways of doing it. Proof of work was the, the simplest approach and by the far most robust, but it's also the most energy consuming. Mm -hmm. um, proof of stake is another mechanism to verify transactions between nodes across the blockchain. So you could still have the blockchain running but at the same time, it doesn't use as much energy. Um, and mm. the, the main reason for that is proof of work requires all the nodes to basically do the same amount of work, whereas proof of stake, um, they kind of distribute the work. So, you know, maybe they take turns, they, you know, some nodes will do one track session, the next one will, you know, be managed by a different number of nodes, etc. Um, and yeah, they, they have a ways of 
um, distributing the work essentially. But due to that change from proof of work to proof of, proof of sake, they managed to change um, reduce the more than by more than ninety percent, ninety nine points. It's very yeah. Uh, so and I think we tried to check previously the information for for example how much energy you're using for mm -hmm. like YouTube. <laughs> gold mining and after it wasn't like bitcoin and somewhere at the very end they were just like ethereum the yeah. the proof of stake no that was proof of work proof uh, of work yeah that was compared to proof of work yeah so oh. a lot of people you know i think it's just because it's new technology people um try to point out a lot of the faults in it but in reality we're living with a lot worse conditions youtube takes up uses up more energy than Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, combined at this point. Along with gold mining, no, nobody mentions gold mining, but that still produces yeah. a lot more CO2 than um, anything that we run essentially on our service. So, and people live with that. They don't really mention that. But for some reason, blockchain just takes the hit. And I think that's just what happens with new things. Everyone just looks mm -hmm. at it and like, you know, tries to find faults. Fear of something new. Mm -hmm. I think that's the same with um, the the argument of money laundering. They're saying, oh, cryptocurrencies are just used for you know, purchasing things on the dark web and running shady businesses, etc. People but, are already doing that. <laughs> yeah, people are already doing that with real fiat currency, um, which is, you know, normal real money that you can have paper money, coins. But the thing with blockchain is it's fully transparent. So it's actually very easy to trace frauds, whereas that's kind of like not what you want as a legal business owner. So you'd still be doing a lot of legal activities with cash, essentially. That's well, in the UK. That's kind of how they do it. Anything that's cash based is usually doing something weird under the hood. Um, but yeah, with blockchain, because everything's transparent, um, I think there was actually a study done last year or the year before um, by the US, um, some federal agencies in the US, they were able to, I think, quantify how many illegal transactions or like fraudulent activities were happening in cryptocurrencies. And it's like 0.5% or something very low, um, whereas compared to, I think, anything that's been done with, you know, US dollars, cash in hand, that's, you know, still quite a large number. I can't remember. So on the order of magnitude, maybe 10 times more compared to cryptocurrencies. Um, and yeah, and that's just because it's so easy to trace in crypto and any, any fraudulent activity that they uh, discovered, they could actually trace the accounts, etc. So yeah. yeah, that's another argument. But despite of all of those benefits for the web free, there are a lot of limitations and probably that's the reason why it takes time to adopt that. So one mm -hmm. of that is uh, accessibility. So for example, even mm -hmm. you you can sign up on uh, Ethereum uh, for free, but in order to do some transactions, that could be not very accessible to some of the people. So that's the reason why we have numerous of like blockchains that are trying to solve the issue. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you don't know just like, oh, which one to pick. And just like when you have so many choices, <laughs> Yeah. That actually stops you to do the first step. Um, and I think another one is the user experience. Imagine yourself explaining it to your grandmother or grandfather, or I don't know, just like even your parents. Um, 
how to install the MetaMask and like all all of those sort of things, how to start that. And um, so probably if it will become more uh, user friendly, mm-hmm. um, where you don't really need to know a lot of different things around it, you just need yeah. to maybe uh, scan your fingerprint or your That's true. Face or right anything. Now, yeah. yeah, right now the problem is a lot of these wallets, um, they need you, you know, they kind of expect people to remember the, the seed phrases that they generate, which is like this combination of 12 or 24 words. Um, that's even harder to remember than yeah. your usual password, etc. How many and, stories yeah. we heard about like people losing a fortune yeah. just because losing <laughs> their fortune. Yeah, because they misplaced their, um, you know, seed phrases, etc. So yeah, the user experience definitely needs to be improved because right now, if you, you know, forget your password in any service that you've ever used, there's always this convenient, oh, forgot password service. We just don't have that in WebTree yet. So I think there's people trying to build those solutions, but it's not, you know, stand as commonplace as it is with um, all the services we're used to today. Yeah. So that needs to be improved. And it's not like, so far, Web3 ecosystem still relies on or is relying on the centralized infrastructure like GitHub or some kind of Discord or Twitter. Mm-hmm. Those are the platforms where like Web3 uh, communities um, actually communicate, interact. communicate, yeah, interact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have any other things of like the problems and maybe we can talk about the future and our hopes? Mm. Well, I think we've covered a lot of the items. So, I mean, let's just jump to what we think, you know, could happen this yeah. year. What was, I don't know, do you have any predictions? Um, like I think we are just like some of the predictions for that I, I've seen that Web3 will to, will continue to grow uh, till uh, from 2023 20, to 2030 uh, by amount of like more than 40%. Um, but and it might be a fastest growing sector um, so far uh, for mm-hmm. the next de- decade. But um, I think mm-hmm. right now, uh, after Terra Luna and FTX, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> we can link some of the stories or like other yeah, podcasts the uh, in the description, so you can check um, check out what happened over there. But I, I think it will take time to for the market to recover. Oh yeah, that's shattered a lot of consumer confidence in the technology but really the you know um the technology hasn't really failed us as i think uh, this was a quote by charles hoskinson's from cardano um you know the technology hasn't failed us it's really just a few individuals that were trying to capitalize you know on the hype on the all the buzz around it and they just weren't you know doing their due diligence their they weren't keeping their books correct. There was a lot of money that just vanished. Um, well, yeah. But I think it's just like when the market is down or like during the recession, most of the time there are some, some of the companies or startups actually who are trying to solve something, not there for money, just for money, but to change something in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably like there will be more useful NFTs or so, sort of... Um, that's true. It's I think it's always coming to this kind of cycle. Um, you know, there there is the uh, this very popular 
model of technology is called the Gartner hype cycle. So we've maybe we've hit that peak where everyone was, you know, super interested in everything. And we've underestimated or maybe overestimated what his capabilities are today. And lots of people are now just, oh, okay, this was just hype or it's bad. We're, um, we're going back to our daily lives now. But it's, you know, brought a lot of interesting people into the space. A lot of people are seriously trying to think of solutions to the problem. And yeah, we're entering that, you know, another um, sort of down period where people are just going to keep their heads down and focus on solving problems. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what's going to happen at the end of the year. Although I'm not sure if it's going to be the, the fastest growing sector um, this year. I still think AI is going to be very big player this year compared yeah. to web3 i think, think it's just like that one year. between 2023 until 2030 so mm. not just for the next year oh okay. just like yeah. it's... i guess <laughs> in the long run yes for the next decade i can see it but this year i think ai is going to take mm. center stage really yeah. it's moving so fast so web3 is gonna go in the sidelines for a little bit but it'll come back yeah. I think some of the people as well uh, in the Vepri community talked about the decentralized social networks. So I think most of the people are talking, um, I think um, Elon Musk mentioned something about that, that he mm. wants to create a social network like that. And probably users will pay some tiny amount of cryptocurrency every time they post the, me um, mm. post the message in order to um, get rid of like trolling and spam yeah. and all of that. Um, and as well, I think... Um, greenifying phrase <laughs> so there will be even more oh, okay. and more blockchains who are trying to uh bait what ethereum done with the proof of stake mm -hmm. and just like make it more sustainable sure. um and i think it's just um there probably will be more um projects who are trying to make it easier for mm. people to sign up or get on board um to make a user experience much better and uh so you don't really see uh there is something going on with blockchain. You're just using yeah. the, and you're here for experience. Mm -hmm. um, and it just solves your problem. You are sending money to another country and it's much quicker and you don't need to pay um, such a high fees. And yeah, so it's probably just because of the additional benefits they will get over there. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, need to, it needs to be very easy um, to do. Yeah. So even our grandparents can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I think I have got the similar predictions as well, greenifying. I'm curious to hear, see what other sort of blockchains are going to do with their infrastructure. I think most of them are on proof of stake already anyway, or some version of um, a protocol that's better than proof of work. I think Bitcoin is probably one of the only few that are still using proof of work. And it probably will never move away from proof of work because that is kind of like its unique selling point but i'm also curious to see other initiatives like there's like um there are carbon offsetting programs associated with um bitcoin so they're saying um or or kind of like uh maybe i maybe that's the wrong word but they they kind of like use um and en energy that's uh, how do you say going to go to waste you know things that are harvested from say wind turbines etc maybe it was a particularly windy mm. day they are over capacity they're using they're trying to offset some of that energy into 
not mining bitcoins if they can't distribute it to homes etc mm. um mm. they can you know distribute some move some of that energy into mining bitcoin and they can earn something back and that feeds back to the local economy um i can't remember the name of that project i'll try and find a uh link for an edited description but i thought that was a very interesting project um yeah. i think yeah, we can actually sure. create uh one of the episodes which we'll talk about web free for good mm-hmm. uh when blockchain try to solve some of the uh problems yeah, um, too many too many use cases to cover in one episode <laughs> yeah yeah but I think we are running out of time. Um, we would like to thank uh, DLT Hub for giving us a space to create this uh, podcast, uh, this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening and hopefully see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.